A lot of you are familiar with the DNA Project and have been rocking with us for a while, but some of you aren't. A lot of you are faithful listeners of the podcast, but aren't familiar with some of the other work that we do. So I just want to take a quick moment to explain to you a little bit more of what we do. So you're getting married, or you have a friend, a cousin, a sister, somebody you know is getting married. Okay. You've booked your venue, caterers, photographer, all that good stuff. When it comes to live music, most people have no idea where to look. We have you covered. Picture this. During the ceremony, while guests are being seated, or while the bride's walking down the aisle. During the cocktail hour, while guests are just mingling and having a good time. Don't forget about dinner music. That's very important to set the mood while guests eat. And we definitely can't forget the party. Let's get the party started right now with The DNA Project. www.thednaproject.ca for more information. Welcome to the DNA Airwaves. It is a beautiful day outside, uh, even though we're recording this on a different day from the day you're listening, but now it has to be a good day where you are. I am Matt Kesselman. We have Anthony Lewis in the house. We have Dariki Palmer in the house. And we have Slyman live from Denmark Yeah, right now. Welcome, welcome. Oh, nice. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Wicked, wicked. So, man, we're just going to talk to you. Um, I mean, we're in different parts of the world, so I will assume that there are going to be a lot of people listening where we are who are not familiar with you and your story. So I would love to kind of just dive in and let you, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a refugee from uh, Lebanon who originally was a refugee from Palestine. Uh, mm. So I double refugee and then I'm a refugee here in Denmark um, wow. and we started out life here in Denmark like in the 80s with like a normal life we were like received with guitars and hippies and people that yes. love to like peace and all that okay. and okay. in the 80s it started like taking another, another route in the start of the 90s and so did our family life also hmm. so um, we had a lot of issues with like our culture and the new yeah. culture we arrived in. Right. Like in Denmark was like people were nude in the streets and we were, we were like from a, wow. a village that was bombed to the like to the Stone Age and Oof. and though in that contrast we were very lost. So we didn't know what to do and my father couldn't like find a job. He didn't know the language. Right. Are we going back to our Lebanon or are we, are we gonna stay in Denmark? So we were lost like in translation, you can say that. Yeah, that's a tough, that's so, a tough, uh, yeah, tough for, uh, I guess, uh, what age were you around then? Uh, and uh, We were like four years when we arrived in Denmark, and we started like arriving in Germany, and my father was like, I know some people in Denmark, and there's like, we should go there instead of being here, so we were like up to our necks with snow for the first time in our life we didn't know what like we, we've tried a little bit of snow but we didn't have the same climate as europe you know yeah, yeah. so we yeah. went to from east germany to west germany and went from there to denmark got you so and kinda... what was oh, go ahead. oh i'm sorry there's a delay anthony do you have a question no go ahead go ahead um and well we're interested to know in how you you ended up with your musical career so <laughs> Uh, arriving in Denmark, and I'm sure uh, life there was a lot of inspiration for the music. Can you tell us how you ended up on the path to music? And my mom was like, when we were 
when we grew up in Denmark, she was always singing songs and humming melodies. And I was always like, I got that idea that my mom was like singing other people's songs. So she was like, no, I'm like just making it up as, it, as she goes. And I was like very inspired by that. So I was like, I want to try that. But it wasn't as simple as it seemed. So uh, as I grew up, we started like living a little bit of a gang life. And I wound up being like a juvenile criminal and wound up in that environment. And in that right. environment, we were all listening like Tupac and Das FX and all these rappers from that time. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't even like notice uh, the rap game before I heard Dear Mama. Because in our youth, it was like very embarrassing to show love to your mom. So it was right. like my mom's wow. like, uh, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. when Tupac did that, he made it like seem okay to love your mom and to like express that kind right. of emotions. And right. so rap was, I was like a, attracted to it. I wanted to do it, but I didn't like feel I had the abilities. Right. But I, I started writing poems, and even though I did crime and all these things on the side, I was like always, I wanted to say something. I had something on my heart, but I didn't know how to like get it out. Right. So I had a friend, a girlfriend, that got a contract by Sony Music at the age of 18, and she was a little bit older than me. And, and she was like, try rapping your poems. So, like, try hmm. do that. And so I was like, okay. Then I went to like a huge, huge center, I tried rapping, and... All of my friends was like, who do you think you are? Like, you're not Tupac. So I got a lot of blowback on that, uh, on trying to do that. Yeah, right. But but I got hooked. I was like, I could do something better than that. I I didn't do it good enough that time, but I wanted to do more and better. So as I grew older, uh, I was more intertwined in the crime scene. And I was like, I got shot. And I got shot uh, several days after my first contract, uh, concert ever. Wow, uh, wow. And I was like, yeah. it was because of rap. I was getting weak. Rap was like taking my focus on off the streets. So I'm like, yeah. I'm going to drop that music. So that's what got me into music was crime and like hanging in the streets. But at the same time, it was also a very scary thing to go that route because no one, it wasn't respected in Denmark. Like a Danish rapper was not good. An American rapper from the, African-American society who had these struggles was okay. But for us, we didn't like have the right to do that. Right. Cause I mean, it's, it's just unknown. Right. And, and, and the story of the African-American rapper is kind of now almost cliche to this point where you kind of expect certain things um, like the crime and the, you know, getting shot or shooting somebody or doing some type of jail time seems to be like a rite of passage for most rappers. Whereas you we're doing that and then kind of, you know, decided to try and pursue music after. And you did mention that crime led you to music. I wonder sometimes, maybe not in your situation, but I found in my youth that music sometimes led to crime for a lot of kids. Listening to guys like mm. Tupac and listening to some other, you know, quote unquote gangster rappers kids kind of got i know for my age when i listen to mob deep or Pac, it would bring out a weird emotion in me where i would feel you know tough and yeah, you know, yeah. it would put weird things into my head where you know nobody can mess with me and you know that became my kind of like my mantra was you know that thug life that tupac kind of really pushed on do you feel that music influenced any <clears throat> of your like i don't want to say criminal activity but i i know for me it definitely influenced my childhood in terms of just like 
being influenced by some of the you know the lyrics and thinking it was yeah. okay or cool to you know pursue some of these you know yeah criminal lifestyle or gangster lifestyle i, I think that that's in some part yeah but but for me it was like i didn't recognize tupac before he made dear mama yeah. I, I heard right. his songs but i wasn't like attached to him got you for me, I wanted to say something because I wasn't happy being in the crime. I wasn't happy right. being a criminal. Right. I found myself in a spot at some age when we moved to a new city, like people were like beating me up. I wasn't like ready for that. Right. So right. these people, I moved from a small city to like a bigger city and these people were like more rough. If you didn't like beat back, you were, you got to be eaten like it was jungle yeah. law. Right, right. So. But music was my like te my therapy. It was like a therapy for me to like make music. I I, I started like yeah I, I I it was glorified the, the crime life. But right. at the same time, it also when I started writing and getting like in touch with my own emotions and how to like give it pass it through to to the listeners, it, it was very therapeutical. So it was like right. a therapy. Like okay, I, I got these emotions, but I'm like acting in this way. So in some part of me becoming a rapper mm -hmm. made me also conscious about my, my, my behavior. Right, so right. in some way it, 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 I got obligated to like change away from that right. and use music as an instrument to like get a message across, not just make music. So I was very inspired by Tupac and, and these people that was there at that time who tried to say something, even though they were like, Proclaiming thug life and all that, but at the same time they were making songs like "Brenda's Got a Baby," "Keep yeah. Your Head Up." So yeah. there was also something like that was for society. So right. I tried to like True. put that on me. I wanted to be that type of rapper. So I wanted to right. be it, like a rap uncle, if you wanted. Yeah, that yeah, to be you. like I hear you. yeah, yeah, <laughs> rap uncle. That's it. Yeah, um, <laughs> I. Uh, you know what I love about Scandinavian countries? Everybody speaks English better than we do. Um, no. and we've, we've listened to some of your music and it's all in Danish I mean we're yeah. assuming it's Danish it's a language we don't speak yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm sure we're all wondering do you work in English as well or are you I made a song the... I, made, I made a song with 6 9 where I'm rapping in, in English oh, oh, nice. oh wow that's cool it's on, it's, I, I'm sad it's on the Telltales uh, album but we went to court and I was like in a lawsuit with 6ix9ine and 10K Records for like two years. And it wound up with, with the song ending up on his Tattletales album. And they destroyed the original song and made it sound like shit. But I'm rapping in English and I'm like proud of yeah. that verse. So That's dope, man. It's a, call, it's a song called, uh, I don't know if he changed the name, but I think it's called Red. Huh. But I have the original verse. And, and is that all done online? How do you how do you meet other no, no. artists to work with? I was like looking for. I, I made songs with French artists, and I also sing in Spanish. I sing right. in Arabic. I, I try to like be a multicultural rapper. I don't want to be like labeled mm -hmm. as only one like type of rapper. So I try to do different things. And my manager met up with some guys from Holland that knew Six Nine, and Six Nine was like, "I'm gonna sell my uh, my." what you call the rights for the song, the copyrights for the song, if you want to go to Milan and we can meet in a hotel. So I went to Milan with $100,000 in my hand and I got, gave it to 6 9 and bought the, the rights and then wound it up in a court because 6 9 didn't have the rights to sell those. Oh, wow. That's intense. He already had a publishing deal. 
he didn't have the rights to like sell his uh, vocals or anything. So I was like, I wound up in a court case that costed me like 150 grand. And Ugh. so, but it ended up being like on his album. So in some way it was like uh, a victory with too many losses. So, mm. and That's at the same time, 6ix9ine went from being a good rapper and, a, and a, what I mean was like a comet in the rap industry to like right. all these court cases he had and this case with the Treyway and all this. So I was like, okay, now I just need the verse to come out because I already paid for it. So right. it was like more, I was like schemed or scammed or what you call it, out of yeah, my money. Yeah, yeah. So wow. So that's the story of 6 that's 9 crazy. Uh, and is that, so am I to understand that after that, did you release got more English music after that? or No, no, I, I, I tried. I was like trying to do a song mm -hmm. with the... Uh, what is his name? I tried to do with the the guy who shot the girl in the feet. What was his name? The guy who what? Sorry, who shot this other girl rapper in the foot or got in, uh, the, the, It's not a rapper. He's like more a singer from Canada. Oh. Um, this Canadian that shot his girlfriend in the foot. Who did? It? Daniel Caesar. Who shot his girlfriend? No, in the no, no, Smiley. No, Smiley. No, 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 no. He, he, he's Armani. Pressa Armani. No, no, no! This small guy who sings a little bit. Where, where... It's not Presso. He's a singer. He's a singer. Oh no, I don't know. He says, yeah. she says, the girl that he shot in the foot, and he's saying she was like, she treaded on some glass or something in the car. Oh, Tory Lanes. Tory oh, Lanes. Tory Lanes. Tory Lanes. Tory Lanes. Yeah, I tried to make a song right. with Tory Lanes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh wow! I can't believe that was. Yeah. The well, I, I, I want to make music with some American artists. I, I, I'm not finished. I, I still feel that I have something on my mind and something on my heart, and I, I feel like Danish music combined with the English, with the the, the Afro kind of trap beats we have, with mixed with the American style, I think that that something good could come out of that mix. So. Right. Or maybe change sense. something. Yeah. Yeah. What's so, the what's the rap scene like or the hip hop scene like in Denmark? And also, how are you received in Lebanon as far as like hip hop artists? How are hip hop artists received in Lebanon? The problem in the Middle East is like you need to do it in Arabic. And in Arabic to right. do rap is like impossible because it's yeah, very yeah. like a singing language. It's almost impossible to rap. But yeah. At, for the songs I made with the Arab artists, uh, I feel like it, it's okay, but it, I need to do it in Arabic. But it, I don't feel like I can ex express myself in the same way like in Danish or in English. Right. Uh, okay. With, with rap music, it's, it's very hard. And what's the what's the scene like in in Denmark? The scene is like for now is like the younger artist is more like going on to grime and that that right. type of like the English type of rap, but yeah. it's like. A very mixed type of scene. Now they're gonna make some laws because they feel like a lot of these rappers come from criminal backgrounds, so they want to do like um, censor us from concerts, from venues, from festivals. So it's got it's been really hard to like get jobs because we have that background. Even though we're not gangbangers anymore, if you come from that background, you're not gonna be uh, booked for anything. Can you uh, give us more the, details on that? How does that work? It, it works like we, you get you get cancelled, you know, on Spotify, you're not going to be played on the Danish uh, charts, you're not going to, uh, I'm a victim of that, so because we already come from a criminal background and we also like foreigners in the same 
at the same time, and and the environment in Denmark is very hostile towards foreigners. So right. it wasn't like that before, but in time it became, uh, yeah, you can say all of Europe have become that. So it's very hard to be on charts if you're not part of a record label, if you go solo or you go independent. That's what I did because I felt like I didn't want to be controlled. I want to do like my stuff in my way. So yeah. you get canceled. You get canceled from concert, from venues. You, you don't get booked. It's like you don't exist. Even though you that's like crazy. screaming 10 millions or 15 millions, you're not going to be booked. And that's not wow. based on the lyrical content. That's just really based on. That's based on if, you're, if you've been criminal before or not. It's harsh. Wow. That seems yeah. extreme. Unexpected. Yeah. But, but when did they start doing not, that? This year. This so, year, wow! Well, yeah, they're talking. So they, they want to make a law. They want to make a law that 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 they're, they're trying to like convince Spotify and these outlets that do not support uh, criminal rappers. But from my point of view, that's like the only way to get out of it. Maybe through right. music, through art, through movies, or through anything, you know. But that's yeah. like prohibiting people from getting out of the crime life. And it also would prohibit, or not inhibit, but it could also like take some kids like yourself or other people that heard an artist and they had thought that criminal life was their only pursuit you know that's all they could do then they hear someone like you or someone like you know any name and get hope and get hope and get hope right exactly yeah that's the meaning that's the point of it get out of that life right so i think yeah counterproductive that's a bad that's like shoot yourself in the foot that's gonna be a bad law they're gonna they're, they're trying to like do it even though the law hasn't been passed but right. the the scene has been set for that not many of my type of rappers, even though we had millions of plays. Like if you take Denmark and you say we have 5 million people living here and you've been streaming like for one song 25 or 27 million times over the, the, the various platforms, yeah. then there will be like five times the people living here. So if you have one song in the US, you'll be streamed 1.2 billion times to, to get the same, right. you know. Yeah, so... But still, we're not getting. We're still not getting booked. So it's so it's a like, you're not underground, but you're living underground. Right, like it's not. Right, we're not yes. underground rappers anymore, but we're living yeah. the type of underground life. Yeah. yeah that's a tough. And there's point. a lot of a lot of people, especially rappers, even in North America, that have that similar problem where mainstream hasn't heard of them, and they've kind of been thriving not in the underground because, like I said, I, like that kind of. Um, means has a different meaning but they're doing well it's just mainstream media won't put them on their platforms yeah. and so it's uh it's really really tough really really tough and i think it's actually counterproductive what they're doing but that's yeah but for, for me i'm like i've been like i have all my plaques here it's like gold and platinums and all yeah. these what i've been selling but yeah. i've never been on uh i've only been on a on a venue once in my life i've never been booked again wow. because I've been in newspaper. I made a book about my life, and I've told wow. these things like simultaneously. I destroyed my own like rap career by, like, yeah, publishing a book about my life at the same time. That's what I was about to uh, ask you about, actually. So, it sounds like you had a bit of a, uh, well, at least a part of your journey was from poetry, which turned into music and rap. And I was going to ask you about the book. Uh, instead, we became evil. Can you tell us about yeah. that? And, and yeah, and I was like, uh, yeah, it, it's because when I started out in the beginning, I was like trying to defend myself. And I felt like I was like this Robin Hood that was like defending my family. We had like some very hard um, tragedies in our family. My 
and my mom was about to die. She was like stabbed like 30 times and my sister Whoa, was stabbed wow. 17 times. Jeez. So we, be, we, we came to a city where we're like living amongst people like, like ourselves, foreigners. And my mom was like reaching out to these people to like understand and give support. Like, yeah. but people were like using this against her. So they called me like the butchered, the butchered lady's son. If you like translate it to English. Huh. And at the beginning, people asked me, are you the butchered lady's son? I was like, yeah. I didn't know that there was like an uh, um, uh, evil meaning in the word. Right. I didn't know right. that was, they were like mocking me. But I, would, I didn't right. understand the Arab, the Arab thinking. So I was very much oh. uh, uh, Danish in my thoughts. So I didn't understand what they meant. So at one time I went home and I was like hearing my mom and my sister talking about somebody called them the butchered ladies. So they were like crying all night. I was like, oh, so it doesn't mean something good. Right. So from that day on, I was like, no, no, I'm not the butchered lady's son. So I started out defending myself and like I got beaten up and I tried to defend myself. But at the end, instead of being good, we became evil because that's why the title came. Because we started out like defending ourselves and then I ended up being the evil guy, doing something right. to people that didn't do anything to me because I was like part of a game. Right, right. So that's why we called it. Instead, we became evil. We, we we wanted to be good, but instead we became something else. I think the Bloods and Crips have an exact similar story, where they started in like a neighborhood watch yeah, situation, yeah. and it just kind of blew up into, and they became evil as well. I shouldn't, yeah, no, they they did. We ado we adopted we adopted the yeah, Bloods we 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 adopted the Bloods and and I got it here, right, in my hand, okay. mm -hmm. and we were like our our gang was Bloods. So we were like, because we were like, okay, we we started out defending these people. We wanted to defend ourselves, right. and yeah, yeah. But it ended up we becoming a real gang and like taking money from people and doing things. I was like, I've been I've been in all my cases together put together as three hundred and seventy cases. So uh, I've been Damn. I've been in jail like from jails from juvenile jail. So I was like lucky I didn't get deported from Denmark. So because I was so young, uh, I ended up almost killing my best friend. I stabbed him in the heart. So. And all of that became like something that was built out of defending ourselves. And it ended right, up being right. something else. Out it control, was like yeah. a terror regime, you know? Yeah, yeah. Man, that's intense. So, that I is. mean, I'm, I'm a, I haven't read the book. I probably will need to, but I'm assuming the message in the book turns that around from the negative to the positive. Because you sound like someone who's really trying to pay it forward to... <laughs> Uh, the next generation tell us about that yeah, I, I did the book i did the book like to tell people that in the end loyalty is not what it seems like in those areas in, in those absolutely groups. it's not because it's not because it's not there but it's not what you think it is right there is loyalty but not that kind of loyalty you, you're searching for that there right. is love in it but not that love you wanted because that love either you're there for good or when you go, you can't leave. It took me right. like six years. They shot my sister's husband. They shut up our house. I was shot four times. So my sister's husband was shot twice. So wow. we, we, we didn't just leave. And I stayed in the same neighborhood because I didn't want to move. Because my mom was like, if you move, then we're going to run away one more time. We're not going to run away. If, you, if right. you're going to go the, the good path and God chooses you to die, then you die for something good. But you're not mm -hmm. going to run away anymore. So... I decided to stay here, and for six years, we were like, uh, like it's, it was like a, what you call it, a, some, a scene from a, a war. You know, every time we yeah. parked the car, one of us got out and with the gun and was looking if there was someone to kill us, and the other one parked the car, and then we went home. 
So for six years, it was like that. Jesus. So the book was like for me to tell people that that there's a reason why a 16-year-old kid is like packing a gun and feeling like the whole system is not good. At the same time, we can judge them, but when you're judged and you like paid your dues to the society, you you, you were in jail, you, you, you said you, you did your time, then you're done. But in mm-hmm. our society, in Denmark, you're never done. If you're a criminal once, now you're it's with music, you're always a criminal. Like yeah. if you're a drunk, you'll always be a drunk. Right. If you're a drug addict, you'll always be a drug addict. So, yeah. and that, I, I try to change that perspective and try to like tell people if you're going to go into this, okay, go into this. But no, if you step in it for one year, it's going to take you 12 to get out. That's Even if, if you get out. So. Yeah. That paints a picture of uh, a life, a lifestyle and just a way of living that most of us, where we are at least, couldn't even imagine. Um, what would be your advice? I don't know if there's anyone listening in that situation, but let's just say, what would be your advice to somebody, let's say a six-year-old kid in that similar position that you went through right now? What would you tell them? I would tell them, like, find some grown-up that you trust that that's like a, a normal person and talk about your things and don't keep it inside because all these bottles, I bottled up for many years and, and it became my destruction, so... If you right. don't, if you don't, if you don't have anyone, then like put that energy into something constructive. Like if you could, if you could take all these bad things happening to you, like tell your story, write a book, make a song, uh, paint a picture, you know, use it for something else than like hurting other people. Because in the end, right. th- those people that you hurt maybe have the same problems. Maybe they're in some place in their life where everything is screwed up, and for them also. So from my point right. of view, it's like. If you go that route, the criminal route, it's easy to go to the toilet. We have like a, a saying in Arabic, it's not the same to enter a toilet like when you go out. When you go in, right. it's a clean toilet. When you get out, it's like yeah. dirty. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It, right. that, that is the same with, 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 with gangs. If you go inside, you go inside clean, but when you come out, you're not going to come out clean. So Right. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think guys like you, if they continue to just explain and not glorify like there's a difference between glorifying that life and really explaining how shitty gangster life can really be because nobody wants to sleep uh, with a gun under their pillow nobody wants to walk out of a car and have to point a gun and do you know recon before you go home it's uh the it's the messaging kind of gets skewed when people kind of mix understand that you know you're not trying to glorify anything that you've done you're trying to point out that there's no you know you're never going to be the same and you get into have, this life and it's not what you think it is you think it is no yeah. I, I we have i have like a belief in my life like those people who glorify crime hasn't lived it right if you've lived exactly. crime you would never you wouldn't so glorify when you, it no so if you see some artists like some artists i work with in the u.s mm-hmm. uh, you saw how they were like commenting up Telling people, oh, crime, and I'm shooting and shooting you up and shooting yeah, up. Yeah, and yeah. when time, when push came to shove, they didn't want to pay the pay for the crimes. So right. when you when you those people who glorify crimes is always those who didn't live it, but right. they're profiting from it. People right. who lived crime Difference. would profit from getting advi- giving advice or telling people to do something. So from my point of view, if you could translate my songs, I always put a moral in it. So I might say we lived like this and we shot like this, but in the end, money doesn't matter. You're going to die alone. You're going to die in your coffin and no one's going to remember your name. So 
you're just going to be famous for one night. So I always put in what I think is the moral. So I would say, okay, we did this. We had Louis Vuitton. We had Rolex on our hands, but we didn't sleep good. And when right. we go to the coffin, we didn't have anyone crying for us. So yes, at the end, exactly. so I believe that people that didn't feel the pain of being in that environment or paid the dues or had a mom almost, almost got killed or a sister got killed or a, sister, a sister's husband or a brother who, who got killed would never like promote that kind of lifestyle. Right. Only right. for one exactly. purpose is like to profit from it. And for me, that's like selling blood. Even you're mm -hmm. selling music, but you're selling other people's blood. Very true. That's intense. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, where can people find the book? Is it available now? It's available from Monday on Amazon, Monday. on Penguin, uh, Penguin Random House, like everywhere. Okay. Awesome. Definitely worth checking out. I love the title too, by the way. Thanks. Can you tell us where else we could, uh, what people should look for if they want to listen to your music or read more about you? Slyman on Spotify, uh, like uh, find me on uh, Deezer, Napster, uh, Apple iTunes. Just search Slyman and you can find the songs or go to 6 ix album, Tell Tales, and find the song Red. <laughs> or you can go to like, uh, so, and you can go to Instagram and find Slyman official music. So nice. it's not, I don't, I'm not good at social media. I've never been good on social media because I'm not selling anything. I'm just right. doing my thing. I'm not right, like trying it. to be uh, the glamorous rapper all day. I, I, I wouldn't know how to. So from my point of <laughs> view, it's like if you want to find my music, you got to search for it because if you want to find the truth, you got to look for it. Ah, hey, powerful. <laughs> That's Sliman, S-L-E-I-M-A-N. Look him up, listen yeah. to his music, and get ready for when he comes to America and takes over everything. <laughs> thanks for joining yeah, us we really appreciate you taking the time to talk thanks, to us man. thanks for having me guys that was, it was my pleasure As a podcaster, you know that great content is only half the battle. The other half is finding the right hosting platform to reach your audience. That's where Captivate comes in. With unlimited podcasts, advanced analytics, and personalized support, Captivate has everything you need to grow your audience and monetize your show. Join the thousands of successful podcasters just like us who trust Captivate for their hosting needs. Visit dnaairwaves.com slash Captivate today to start your free trial.